Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Welcome to this episode of IT for Whiskey. I'm Nancy Sabino, and I'm with my gracious hosts, Myron, Craig, and Joe. Nancy, thanks for joining us. Nancy is a listener, and we've been going back and forth via email. We've had calls and thought it would be great to have Nancy on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all. This is awesome to uh, be a listener and now to be on here with you guys. I'm a little starstruck. We started off as a break fix shop with residential as well. It first started off as small business. Then we needed cash flow. And so it was like, well, what's the easiest way to get cash? And we said, all right, residential it is. And so I used to like go outside of our neighborhood with stroller and a kid attached and would deliver flyers door to door. Wow. And that's kind of how we started. I think it was like $32 in our bank account. And we definitely made things work. (laughs) That's awesome. We hear it so much. The the same started a business out of nothing, worked through, hustled, dealt with family stuff to kind of make it just happen. And here you are now, you got an operation, you're established. Now you're part of the celebrity group. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You're outside of Houston. Recently, there was a lot of floods and stuff like that. And how do you deal with that with your customers and try to make sure that they're operational? Have you had any stories that maybe somebody can relate? That's a good question. If you know Houston, you know that there's Houston, the city, which encompasses like 610. And so we go from different loops. And then there's the Beltway that is a little bit outside of Houston. And then there's now Grand Parkway, which is the um, larger loop outside of Houston. And so we're a lot closer to Grand Parkway. And outside of the Grand Parkway, you'll run into small towns or cities, and then you've got country. So we have some clients that are in the country and tax day flood came about a few years ago now. And so they flooded completely. I mean, it was over two feet in their office. 
everything was lost. And so we definitely learned a lot from that experience because we didn't see it coming. When Harvey rolled around, when we replaced all of their stuff, we went with let's go high instead of trying to have everything on the ground just because if this happened once, uh, it can happen again. They opted to go with laptops instead of desktops this time around because they all could also be more mobile. But then we had all the laptops mounted on shelves. They had docking stations and everything. It, it was a nice setup in the sense that everything was off the ground, so table level and above. And that's kind of what saved them now during this last storm. Because again, we didn't see anything coming. And they they talked about, well, it could be Harvey floods. So we prepared for the worst. And that was like, okay, thank God they're, they're good because they flood quite often. It's one of those where we just have to make sure that we learn from that experience. It's sad that it has to be a question, but are you in a flood area? Because <laughs> if you are, then we have to plan a little bit differently for your setup than if you're not. It's experience, right? So at the end of the day, I would have never thought about doing those things. That's crazy. Um, guys, have you ever dealt with anything with floods or anything like that? We had one customer about four years ago. It wasn't geographic flood, but it was a flood in their building. Their fire main exploded and it literally flooded the entire building. It's like a 40,000 square foot manufacturing plant. Make car parts. One of their car customers is my favorite car in the world, Tesla. Oh, whatever. <laughs> no, no, seriously, they, they made a lot of car parts for them. So anyways, it was over Labor Day long weekend too that this happened. Oh, Murphy's Law, when no one's around for three days, boom, everything explodes. We helped them through that. It was a massive flood. Like, it was really bad. Good news is upside. We got a lot of business out of it, like a lot of business out of it. So it was great. And they ended up relocating their staff to our office. We charged them per desk per month kind of thing. And it was good, but it was stressful. And and they were devastated because they lost everything. They literally lost everything in the company. How about, how about you, Craig? So in 2008, there was a major flood. Well, there was a flood here in town too, but actually east of us, Columbus, Indiana flooded. And the hospital was in the process of moving their data center to a new data center. But the old data center was in the basement and they completely flooded all the servers. So remind me again where you guys are at. I know Myron's Dallas. Craig, you just said Indiana. And Joe's in Toronto. Yes. If you know where Indianapolis is in the center of Indiana, I'm just about 45 minutes south of that. Okay. All right. Cool. You can literally take a line between Myron and I, our cities, and Craig's right in the middle. <laughs> Did y'all do that on purpose? <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> the universe just puts y'all together in that way. <laughs> just a reminder, 2024, the full eclipse comes to Bloomington, Indiana. And I own BloomingtonEclipse.com. So uh, everybody wants to buy some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you have a podcast about that too? <laughs> about to start it. Mr. Podcast King over here. <laughs> Should we take the, the IT for whiskey glass, which we haven't delivered on yet? Should we and put a full moon on the back of it as well? <laughs> yes. Yes. Bloom to the clips. Is there going to be a glass, guys? We do have glass. Yeah, we do have glass. Oh, nice. So I get one of those, yep. right? Sure. Yep. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Before we get started with serious business, what's everyone drinking? I am dipping into one of my uh, favorite bourbon whiskeys, a single barrel of 1792. It's a really nice, very nice drink. I know we've had it on the show before and I just really felt like it today. Is, is that the barrel proof or the... No, it's not, unfortunately. This one's not. I'm sorry, full proof? It's 98.6 proof. It's a good percentage, let me tell you. No, no, it's great. I actually like the basic one, the $28 one that I get locally. I really like this bourbon. Uh, I, I do like the distillery on the whole, like 1792 makes some great products. 
I haven't tried one yet that I don't like. I sent you guys that link with that new bottle. I've already put the feelers out for that. I'm here taking notes, guys. Well, we're in 1792. Got it. <laughs> if you find it, buy a case of it and sell me half. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. I'm on the waiting list for several things at uh, my local liquor store. So <laughs> that's never worked out. Maybe it's time to find a new one that actually gets stuff in if you're still on the waiting <laughs> list. <laughs> so, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Elijah Craig, small batch. So, I'm going to be honest, I knew I was getting on the show and I was like, yes, that means I have an opportunity to drink my favorite liquor while on the show. And I went to my local liquor store and lo and behold, they did not have what I was wanting to drink, which was Breckenridge. And so, instead, I went with my old faithful, which is Elijah Craig. Once again, you've proven my point. It's time to find a new liquor store. (laughs) (laughs) Let's shout out the liquor store how about that (laughs) shout out to the liquor store fails to deliver which one is that that you go to all the time I'm going to defend them a little bit and they're they're fairly new. It's a new location, so I'm going to defend them a little bit only cuz I really want my liquor close by. <laughs> <laughs> that is well said. <laughs> I've seen the bottles of the Breckenridge and I've never tried it. You recommend your number 1, huh? Yes, that that is my number 1. It is absolutely delicious. Not number one like Joe's number one, which changes by the week. No, 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 no. My number one has always been my number one. Craig, what is my number one? Balvini Caribbean cask. Ding, ding, ding. What's my number two? Well, we'll get to my number two in a second. It's called Glendronic 12, which is what I'm drinking today. <laughs> I finally drank this bottle that Joe talked so much and so fast went up on the Joe List to number two. And what is your take? It's good. It's good. It's got that little smokiness to it. You were concerned that I might not like it, but I like the little smokiness as long as it's chilled. But it's good. I'm almost halfway through the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm seeing the fact that you guys have like different tastes, everybody. Yeah. Yes, we do. Oh, Yes. Oh, yes. There you go. Craig, for those I can't see. (laughs) Craig Craig interrupted me here in my thought with uh, the bottle of Elijah Craig. (laughs) It's an 18 year. Hey, my liquor store hasn't had that one. (laughs) Tell them to get that. Craig and I have more of a similar taste, I would say. Right, Craig? Yeah, it's starting to converge. I think so. Yeah. Joe is a little bit more on the peaty side. and No, I hate Pete. No, he's more of a... I can't. I'm allergic to that, 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 that peatiness. My sinuses flare up. I don't know. There's something about the drinks that you are always talking about that just... There's no peat in my drinks, dude. Nope. I Fine. disagree 100%. Scratch out the, the peat part. There's something about your taste that's a little bit... And we've talked... I mean, I don't want to waste time on it, but we've talked about the Caribbean cask and how I don't like it as much as you do. So there's, there's something there. We just haven't pinpointed what it is. I mean, I'll drink the stuff, but I just won't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> When I go up to uh, Toronto, I'm going to drink all of it. (laughs) So my bar is empty. (laughs) I don't think I even own a bottle of it. So here's the funny thing. Breckenridge, actually, I've got two options here. Three, actually. I'm surprised I got the uh, high proof blend, the PX cask finish, and the port cask finish. They're 
all the same price. 87 bucks a bottle. How is that even possible? But I don't know. Anyways. Canadian. He's in Canadian dollars. Yeah, well, in, in Toronto, everything, Ontario, everything is triple the price of what you guys pay. Uh, that would make sense then. Yeah. What do you what do you pay for a bottle of this? Probably like 40 bucks? About 45 Oh, well, 45 when you convert it, it's about 60 Then you add the illustrious Ontario uh, liquor tax of 30%. There you go. It's actually 40%. Sorry, I, I checked that. Yeah. Trudeau's got to get his cut. <laughs> Is it so Joe's paying for all the liquor when you go, right, Craig? That's right. <laughs> and I'm going to throw some money at Trudeau because he needs it. <laughs> No, you no, no, no. Clearly, that trust fund baby really needs to suck on his soother a little bit more. Oh. So wait, so let me understand this. You can say that, Joe, but you can't talk about women in your office. That's politics. It's completely different. Oh, okay, That's totally different. Okay, yeah, politics is free game. Nancy, can I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah, I didn't get to talk about my liquor. So we'll hold up. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> Let me guess. What do you think? I didn't get to talk about uh, my liquor. No, I think I'm not going to guess it. It's not beer. No, no, no. Oh, I was in Munich, Germany at Oktoberfest a few days ago. Got to throw that in there. I was at the Moxie, and the only bourbon they had was Michter's. And I was like, oh, I like Michter's. And it was four euros per glass. And I was like, a double double. <laughs> And that's the last thing you remember. <laughs> really? That's then I blacked out and then I, I woke up with my leader hose and half down. <laughs> nice. I do have leader hose now. So anyway, all right, that's it. Victor's is great. Drink it. Yum yum yum. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy, tell me some of the struggles that you've, you've kind of gone through and, and overcame. Ooh, uh, that's a heavy question. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> She's pretty heavy that way. Yeah, he's, he's taller than us. <laughs> 10, 11 years. Uh, well, I can tell you the first struggle that we had. So I talked about cash flow at the very beginning, right? So my husband worked at a computer store. I believe one of you guys have a similar story, starting off at a computer store, not necessarily agreeing with the owner at the time. Is that y'all? Is that a different podcast? <laughs> no, it's not a different podcast. It's a similar story to mine. It wasn't a store, but it was, it was a similar story. Yeah, same here. Well, there you go. So we had worked at the same store together at some point in time before I left for a disagreement. And eventually he left because we didn't agree on how certain things were run. And we felt at the time that we could do it better. We were 22 at the time, a very little experience since we had no formal education. It was kind of like, we're going to learn as we go. And every mistake that we've made is definitely a learning curve. At the very beginning, it was definitely like just hoping that somebody will call at the right time. A computer will come in to be repaired so that we can pay our bills that day so we can have a house. And so that was definitely the worries at the very beginning, the struggles at the very beginning. And I can't say that we're not at the point even now that we're not worrying about that. Of course. I think everybody worries about that as part of the business ownership piece. Now, I remember you and I had a conversation. There was a turning point where you did change in the business. Yeah. So 2015, I was turning 29 at the time and I was accepted into the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It completely changed our business and life as we knew it. And it was a challenge all around just because this was the first time that I was put in a place where I was being taught the things that we had learned through mistakes or that we felt we knew or we had a handle on, but we didn't know. This program within itself was very validating for a lot of reasons. The first day of the program, they had this kind of overview of the entire 
thing. And the main thing that they talked about, though, was exit strategies. And the exit strategies was like, okay, if I sell a business, if I go out of business, if I change the business, it's an exit strategy. And it's not necessarily a failure. And so because of that, I started to think about things a little bit differently. If leaving something that isn't making money, not a failure, but more so an opportunity, then great. And so that's kind of what changed our business. From there on, we kind of stumbled upon what would be the MSP model. Uh, And then we tweaked it. Going from two years later, we were tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. Awesome. Those are the things that you hear often. People on the break fix side, they finally have a breakthrough and they they make the change. And then as they make that change, they tweak, 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 and they see the big growth, things of that nature. You guys focus on a specific verticals? Yeah. We kind of, during that program, uh, we kind of took a step back and looked at the percentages of type of companies that we had. We categorized all of our customers. We put them in A, B, and Cs. And our A customers really were who we actually took a real look at. Who are those people? Who are the A customers? And from there, we learned that the three main verticals that we had are healthcare, law firms, and CPAs. Those were like your, your better customers. Yes, that was the A, the A group. We kind of formed everything around them and what they need. When we went through our transition, and I say transition because it really was, we realized that those are the people that we need to cater to. And in order to do so, everything that we did going forward needed to be for them the service delivery and so on and so forth would be what they would find valuable. As we did that, we at one point in time decided no more residential. We shut that down within a month, which is crazy. My husband hated me for it. Does he still hate you for it today? No, come on. No, no. <laughs> Hindsight being twenty twenty, right? Exactly, exactly. But he does hate every time that I say, so um, there's this thing I want to do. <laughs> He's like, no. Guess what? They all hate it. Like my partner hates when I say that. My wife hates it too. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's more so of a, okay, but what do we need to do for that? So right. We have a client on the MSP side. They focus in the laundry industry. And Clothing or money? <laughs> industrial. We have a few actually in that industry. They do hotels, restaurants, hospitals, and things like that. But the one I'm talking about, you know, they did a fundamental switch 14 or 15, I don't forget how long ago. They decided to do the same thing. They went even even more narrow. They said, we're not going to do restaurants. We're not going to do hotels. We're not going to do... One of the reasons why is because they said, restaurants come and go. So you got to fight for these accounts. And then they all of a sudden got a business. They focused strictly on the medical side, on the healthcare side. And all of a sudden, their business started to boom because it was steady growth. These businesses, no matter the economy, they continue to grow. As you're saying that, I'm kind of connecting that and saying, man, that's the same thing. If you find those businesses that kind of work for you and you can categorize those accounts and say, this is what we're good at. We can be more efficient in this area. You make a lot more money. So kudos. That's great. That's awesome. We should do a little bit of that. Guys, the ones that listen <laughs> to the podcast. So it was that that categorization was good for us in that sense, but it didn't end there. The verticals naturally came to us as we were focusing on who were the ideal clients. We even got to a point where we let go 
when we cut off residential, we let go one third of our revenue. And then we did another thing where we took another step and said, well, we're not going to work for anybody that is not in an agreement with us. We let go of one third of our the rest of our revenue, which was the break fix. And it was a hard decision. Oh, yeah. That's courage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, my husband hated me during that time. <laughs> Now he's loving it. Yes. Oh, yeah. For those of you that listen and maybe are going through that struggle, Nancy, what would you say? Believe in the process. Go through it and... Just do it. Was it that Jill Embiid from the NBA says to trust the process, right? Exactly. It's like no matter what, it's going to be a process. And I'd rather struggle in going through that process than continue to struggle with feeling like I'm everywhere and not getting anything done. So that hamster wheel is not fun. Joe, Craig, you guys have been quiet. What's going on? I'm really absorbing what she's saying. It's just really good content. I really like it. Craig, would you say that Joe is talking less in the last few episodes? What's going on there? I was listening to one of our episodes today in the car, and you laid into me on that one episode. I think it was episode number 27. We're talking about books. Craig finally starts saying something, and I come up with, in the middle of a sentence, what are these things? While he's talking, and you laid into me, and I said, yep, that's Myron. I'm going to shut up today, and guess what? I'm staying quiet. I'm listening. I didn't know I had that influence. <laughs> what is the long-term goal now with the company? Do you have any goals set up that you want to take it to the next level or step? Which ones do you want to know? Short-term or long-term? Tell us what your short-term goals are. And then let's talk about your long-term after that. So short-term right now is just growth. It's funny that I say growth because I've really been calling into question what does growth mean to me and why? Let's go into that. What does it mean to you? That's a really good topic. Yeah, <laughs> it is a really good topic. I don't know if you guys have read the books by Mike Michalowicz, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Pumpkin Plan. He's got several. I've heard of the Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. I've skimmed through the book. I haven't read it. I haven't read it either, but I've heard it. It's good? It's good. Say the name one more time so that the listeners can hear it. Toilet Paper Entrepreneur by Mike Michalowicz, which he knows it's a hard to pronounce name. And then The Pumpkin Plan is his second book. And that one is a game changer in my eyes, just because it talks about the process that we went through. I would definitely recommend it. But in his third book, which is Profit First, he talks about what is success and why do you want that? If it is a revenue amount, if it is an employee amount, why is that? And so I think that's one of the hardest questions to answer. It is. And before you go ahead and answer it, I'm going to give my own opinion, but I want to hear Joe and Craig's answer to that question. Success is when the company will run without your involvement. Amen. So you're successful. <laughs> Honestly, boys, and lady, it ran better <laughs> while I was gone. I actually did not get in the way. I speak to a lot of peers in the industry and everyone has their own definition of success. To some, success is when the business is in autopilot. To others, success is when they have a comfortable lifestyle. Then there's those that want their cake and eat it too, right? But there's this new breed that they see success when they have an impact on their customers. And I'm hearing that more. And I really like that because in our business, we measure a lot of things and to be successful, Successful is to be able to do a good job and to have your customers say thank you. When you have customers, like the other day, I went to go see a customer and whatnot, and the guy came up to me and said, you know, Joe, because you guys have helped us so much in the last three months since you've taken over from my other IT company, I'd like to give you my favorite bottle of wine. I was like, oh, thank you. And I was thinking, all right, well, it was a nice gesture or whatever. Well, then I found out you can't even buy this wine in Canada. And then I found out it actually 
in Europe, you can buy this wine and it's $200 a bottle. I was shocked by it. I only looked into it because I never heard of this brand before. I was like, what the heck is this? He was price checking it. Such a Canadian. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. I was curious. All right. All right. I shouldn't have said anything. No, you were curious. <laughs> You're curious. No, no, keep going. Jack. No, I was just, I was curious about Similar to whiskey, when I go into the history of the distillery and whatnot, I really get fascinated by that. And I'm the same with wineries. Whenever I travel, if there are wineries around, you know I'm going to visit them. I love going to visit the winery. It's just it's just something I like. Now, am I a wine connoisseur to the same degree that I understand whiskey? No, but I know enough to say what I do and don't like. So I was just curious about the distillery. Never heard of it, whatever, whatever. And anyways, long story short, I haven't opened the bottle yet because I want to save it for a special occasion, which I'm in the middle of something pretty significant and if i achieve this goal not when you come to toronto craig sorry <laughs> he's craig he's waiting for when i go oh man oh, i would totally critique that model one myron just drop your mic on that one just drop it i, I did i did <laughs> I would treat that wine. You won't know where that wine is. But anyways, it depends on your individual objective on why you do what you do. You know, it's funny. My daughter asked me this week and she goes, Daddy, how much money do you make? She's 12. So she's starting to be inquisitive about the business world. And I said to her, you know, what, honey, it's not about how much money I make. Are you ever hungry? Do you not get to go to your activities? You go on your school trips? Hold on. Yours. Is there ever an issue with that? No, no, no. She goes, because you must make a lot of money for us to do all the things that we do. That means she's understanding that there's a lot of costs. Right. A lot of kids don't even realize that. Right. So that's awesome. Exactly. I was I was really touched by that with the fact that she appreciated it and it was great. I've said this so many times on this podcast. I am one of the luckiest people alive and I think we're all in that same boat. I love what I do. I come to the office every day and I never work. Yeah, there are days that are stressful. Some days are better than other, but I don't consider what I do for a living work or a job. It's just something I do and I'm passionate about it and it's rewarding and I, I like it. So I don't know a lot of people that can actually say that they don't feel like they work for a living. And that's true, for sure. I was curious, did all of you guys start off as the engineers or the techs in your businesses? All the above. Essentially, if you couldn't do it all, you couldn't really do it very well. I think you have to be a salesperson, an engineer, a tech. You have to kind of have the ability to do kind of... I mean, especially if you're starting out small, the ability to, to do every little piece of it. Because if, even if you're a great technician, you're awesome at it. But if you can't promote or sell your product, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are. You got to be able to get that across to the client and say, Hey, yeah, I know you have a lot of issues, but uh, I can take care of that. Make, make them comfortable, trust you with your decisions and with the things that you choose for them. Because we, we make decisions for companies that could make or break their business. I've seen companies that have succeeded from our decisions that have wildly grown and gotten huge because we drove them in the right direction. They may not see that till later. Anyway, yeah, I think I think back to the question. Yes, I mean, I can kind of do it all. Yeah, I would say the same here. I've been the tech, been the accounts payable, accounts receivable, HR, service manager. I mean, everything. You pretty much done any of it. Account management, sale. I mean, everything. And still to today, you know, one day I'll sit in a meeting with the development team and I may not code, but influence the way that the coding is done. I'll go and sit with the channel people on the Greenlink side and kind of work things out there and so on and so forth. If you want to really grow, you have to understand a lot of pieces of the business or at least live through it. You know, and if you look at outside of our industry and you look at some of the larger companies that have been around for a long time. Typically, the person has done the same. You look at people like Bill Gates or whatever, they've sat through a lot of seats. We know Todd Gates. We know Todd Gates. <laughs> yes. 
He's done so well. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I, haven't, I haven't talked to Todd in a while, but uh, I miss Todd. Devani worked at his office a couple of weeks ago, so he's doing well. So I got, I got to say, how this all started was that email that you sent to us months ago, Nancy, and talk about success. As we've said before, we don't do this podcast for money. It's funny, we, we actually passed an article around today about how 99.99% of podcasters actually don't make a penny off of what they do. They all think they're going to get rich off it, and we're not trying to fool ourselves. We know we won't get rich off this podcast, but it's a passion and we want to give back to the community. And we do this, A, for entertainment factors. You've seen the behind the scenes part before we recorded. More importantly is is to try to help the community so we can all prosper. And you said something in your email that you sent back in May that I've read this email so many times and about the history and about what Angel and you, your husband, you have gone through and, and you were unhappy and, you know, and, and, and with, with what was going on. I got to say, you know, there's a few things that you said that talking about success that I want to say for you, and for my eyes at least, the Golden Sacks 10K is awesome. But more importantly, the fact that you and your husband did this together and you've built it. And took the risks. Exactly. Especially with a three-year-old at the time and, and a newborn. Those are pretty big risks to take. There's some of the other excesses in 2016, MSP 501, and that's when you learn exactly where your future was going to be and where you're going and, and how scary your whole journey was. So I have to say to you, hats off to you for doing what you've done, for keeping strong and writing your own ticket to be successful. And on top of everything, the fact that you love the whiskeys that we do. <laughs> I, I, I really like you a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, this email feels like something I would have wrote. I really related to it. And for all the listeners out there that think we kind of joke about writing us and, and talking to us and whatnot, Nancy is evidence that we do read what everything everyone says. We try to respond to as many as we can. Share your stories with us the way Nancy has and, and let us know how we've impacted your business because we, we would love to be able to provide more value to our listeners and, and to help you grow. Absolutely. You see how I distracted you guys from my goals? <laughs> <laughs> Changing subject there. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> right. <laughs> I see why she's good at what she does. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are out of time. We're way over the time limit. So it almost feels like we should have a part two because we're, we're only like halfway through the stuff that we probably want to go through. So I want to thank Nancy for coming on and for emailing us initially and accepting to come on and talk about your story and some of the challenges that you've gone through. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. To me, there's success in the podcast. Emails like yours. Oh, yes, absolutely. That is absolutely true. To me, it's a success to be here, to know that you guys read my email and that it related to y'all in individual ways, whether it's through the whiskey or through our stories. Cool. Amen to that. Guys, lady, thank you very much. Cheers. Prost. Cheers. Kevin, take it. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs>